You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alex Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouettes football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter on Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can also find me on Twitter, but at Cliffy D. And this episode of the Alouettes Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at SportBuff, where right now you can save 10% off your entire order by using the promo code FLIGHTDECK. Dash ten. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com and get your sporting gear today. And we're also on social media and many other places on the internet. First on Twitter, that's at Alouette's FL Deck. Instagram, do a search for Alouette's Flight Deck. Facebook, Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. And YouTube, we're almost there. I think we're at 90. I think we need 10 more of you to hit that, that subscribe button, and then we will be giving away that brand new Delta jacket. It is ready to be worn by somebody except for the air. <laughs> I know my hanger's going to get jealous, Cliff, but I mean, it's, you know, once it's, it's my hanger's going hanger's to get cold, you know, mm. once it's gone. But we know it's going to go to a good home. That's what we're hoping for. So go ahead, folks, and smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Let your friends, your family know about the Alouette's flight deck. Help get the word out. And it won't be long before we hit that century mark and we'll be giving away that awesome, awesome retro satin jacket. That's right. And also, if you want to, um, if you want to buy any of our merchandise to rep the podcast wherever you go, including at Percival Molson Stadium, you can do so by heading over to teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. And we also want to congratulate the winner of the Sportbuff Flight Deck seats for this week's game versus Winnipeg. Uh, winner is Jason Mullis. Um, he will be enjoying the game. One pair of seats, as we keep mentioning. Uh, Cliff, again, it's a pair of seats for free to see the Alouettes play. And by the way, Cliff, for the next for the next uh, draw for these seats, it'll be a Saturday 4 p.m. game, my friend. 4 p.m. the next. So get ready for that draw. We'll be doing it the week next week at for during the uh, uh, right after the next week's show for the game versus Hamilton on Saturday, August 20th at 4 p.m. Cliff, afternoon football in the CFL in Montreal. There you go. I mean, folks, free football tickets. It doesn't get much better than that as far as I'm concerned. So make sure when we drop the links, make sure you you, you throw your hat in the ring and make sure you let everybody know. We want to make, we love being able to give out these seats. They're awesome seats. Uh, they get a great view of the field. You get a great view of everything throughout the stadium. By all means, folks, get in there, put your name in, enter the contest, and who knows? You could be going Saturday afternoon, August 20th, to see your Montreal Alouettes take on the Hamilton Tiger Cats, courtesy of the Alouettes Flight Deck and Sport Buff. Hey, Cliffy, it's poutine week. That sounds so weird. (laughs) Uh, A little bit, yeah. I mean, you know, you think about it, though, like— in Quebec, there are so many poutine festivals throughout Quebec. Like yeah. it's just an excuse for people to get together and, you know, go to you know play fair games and go to concerts and do all sorts of you know 
outdoorsy, summery things, all tied in with Putsin. And you see food trucks coming in and offering up all sorts of wacky versions of Putsin. I mean, you know, I'm I, I like a good classic Putsin myself. You know, just you know the fries, cheese curds, and a good thick gravy. Yeah. But every once in a while, you got to you know jazz it up and throw some you know different ingredients on there and really make it stand out. So, I mean, this this is the the month for, for eating Putsin, as far as I'm concerned. Like this is Putsin season, if you will. It's true. And since the last week's episode, we found a little bit more on what the Alouettes are going to be offering. And uh, it is a limited time thing as the Alouettes have keep uh, have kept stressing. Uh, so get get there when you can. Uh, the doors open up at 6 p.m. on Thursday. Some interesting banter back and forth about the cost. $90 for this, uh, I don't want to call it a minute, but for this offering of Putin inside of a replica helmet. Mm-hmm. But it is 1.2 kilos of Putin, including caramel corn. I'm buying it right there just because of the caramel corn. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you get like a, a all the food groups covered, essentially, and also do dessert at the end. So, I mean, it's always nice, like especially like a rich, heavy food like Putin can be. To finish it off with something sweet at the end, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at that. No, no, not at all. Um, I, again, ninety dollars. I know that you know you and I have had a. We're, we're going to reserve, uh, you know, reserve our feelings until we actually hopefully get our hands on one this weekend. Uh, for uh, sorry, this this week, and then we'll report back next week, uh, either from the safety of our homes or from the hospital. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know the the. I'm looking forward to it. The only thing, again, I'm, I'm just going to say is that I'm hoping that they're able to offer it in multiple ways because, yes, we, we're still living the way that we are now. Just a, a communal Putin doesn't sound too appetizing. So I'm, I'm, having, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm going to say I'm certain that they all have a way in which you will be able to share it with four separate people. So. Yeah, because that, that is a lot of puts in. I mean, and yes, there, I'm sure I have no doubt in my mind there's going to be some brave fool who's going to attempt to eat 1.3 kilograms of puts in all by himself. And hey, back in my salad days, which ironically enough had no salad in them, I probably would have been able to crush that <laughs> no problem and then be like, where's dinner? You mean like but, potato salad, but that's not really a salad? Well, there you go. <laughs> Three bean salad, but that's not really a salad. Hey, not for nothing. Why isn't Putsin considered a salad based on that? Like, why isn't it considered a, a sort of potato salad? That's. I mean, it's the same basic idea. It's a, a sauced potato dish. That's. You know what? I think you have something going there. Something sometimes served warm. I've I've seen warm potato salad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Putsin is basically that when you think about it. Yeah, it's true. And considering everything that you can put on, I mean, this one's going to include. I think they said. Uh, uh, red-skinned potatoes, onions. I know you. what you were saying. You hope they're not raw, and I agree with you. I hope that they're cooked. Um, also, a, a special type of gravy that they're going to be using and... Uh, pulled pork. Huh? And pulled pork. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, hey, I, I'm all for it. You can get things that are more expensive at a game. I mean, how much are beers for, for Christ's sake? You know? And they don't serve beers and helmets. <laughs> no. No, but no. No, not yet. <laughs> uh, they, they serve them in shoes in Ottawa, but well, there's that one guy who does that. But uh, I am wondering, yeah, I am wondering if this because what the Alouettes have done, if this is going to take off league wide. I would not be surprised that you are going to see what? at least next year two teams. 
that will have that will offer this. Yeah, and already like in talking with other fans, uh, they're the, first of all instant jealousy because everybody is just blown away that this is actually a thing, and now it comes down to okay, well, when's our team going to offer it, and what would they put into it? Especially if you're going to regionalize the cuisine, like yeah. kind of like Montreal is, because Montreal inputs in go hand in hand, obviously. Yeah. But like if Calgary or BC or Winnipeg or whomever decide they want to come out with their own snack helmet, what are they going to fill theirs with? Yeah. I mean, would they go the Putsin route as well? Or would they offer up a local cuisine in or whatever, whatever they're known for in that helmet? Yeah. So, so I mean, like there's there's so many possibilities. I mean, like if, you know, marketing people of each CFL team really put their heads together and really come up with something. I mean, you could definitely do something like this and people will just get excited. People will just be like, wow, that's original. That's interesting. That's unique. And it's gotten traction too. It's gotten traction on social media from my post that I put out was, it it got a lot of impressions and stuff like that. Uh, I think the one of the Alouettes did, et cetera, as soon as, as soon as they officially announced it. So this is, it's gone. I guess we could say, yes, it has gone viral. So stay tuned. We're hoping to do, um, Maybe we'll do a little something, something and post it on our YouTube channel for you guys to see. There you go. I mean, folks, I mean, it, it, if, you, if you're not excited about just the prospect of this and if you're not in Montreal and you want to see this idea take off, but with your own team, then you got to get on the horn and get talking with your uh, your team reps, your uh, you know, your social media people, what have you. You got to let them know, like, hey, we want our own insert name of team helmet here with snacks in it. So mm-hmm. that that's what you got to do folks. Just get the word out. Like if you think this is cool, let them know and get on their case to make them come up with their own version of the snack helmet. Exactly. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. At least we know all teams will be, could be represented. Unlike other national sponsorships. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? Eh? <laughs> yes. We're bitter. Uh, <laughs> Um, now to, now to go to something that could easily happen if you do eat too much of something, getting sick. And yes, <laughs> this Hamilton game, up to most of the part, you know, except for a very, a very fun fourth quarter, the game really did make us sick, didn't it? Oh, it was just terrible football. Just, I mean, it was, you know, just... <laughs> It was so funny because after watching the game against Ottawa, it looked like the Alouettes really had their act together. Yeah. It looked like they had figured things out. And our concern after the game that we, uh, we talked about on the, the next episode of the, the Flight Deck podcast was, okay, is have they, have they finally figured it out? Have they finally figured out how what it takes to win? Or was it just going up against, at the time, a team that hasn't won a game yet and still hadn't figured things out? And lo and behold... What if the argument that it's the, you know, the latter or the four, yeah, the latter, just the Alouettes were just very lucky to beat, uh, at the time, not so good Ottawa Red Blacks team. And even then still barely beat them Yeah, because what we saw against Hamilton last Thursday was just that same old bad football from what has become as, as what I've come to now call the Danny Machocha country club. Oh, actually, I actually saw that on social media. Someone who had, uh, after Gary Stern had come on and basically said that the Alouettes played terrible football, which I'm sure was a very bitter pill for him to swallow to have to 
come to grips with that. And I feel for Gary at this point when it comes to that because, you know, he's a very proud man. He's very vocal. He's very passionate about this football team. And, you know, that that's great. That's that's what you want to see. But after all the bravado and excitement and everything like that and just watching that stinker of a game and, you know, having to come on and say, you know what, it just it wasn't good. It, it didn't turn out the way we wanted to, so on and so forth. And someone actually came on on Twitter and basically told Gary, like, the Alouettes are one and two versus teams that up until recently had one win amongst them. Like, this does not look good for the Danny Machocha Country Club. And I saw those words. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, you you basically verbalized everything that we've seen so far. Like, all the steps that have come into place, like how things have turned out for the season for the Montreal Alouettes. I mean, it... If that's the narrative, if that's what th- it, it, that's the optics right now. I mean, yeah. look at everything that's going on, and I, I couldn't help but think, like, wow, yeah, this this guy's not wrong. This this is quite the statement to make. And do we do make do we dare make shirts? Oh my gosh, <laughs> do we? <laughs> like, if we get like a nice crested, uh, you know, like like a monogrammed kind of thing, like you would actually see at a country club, like DMCC. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, would you buy a DMCC shirt? Oh, let us know. Let us know. Add us. Yeah, we, yeah, please. Twitter. Yeah, please add us, and we'll we'll, we'll make it. And we'll, we'll we'll make sure it's done. And you know what? And we'll go even so far as this because I know this is something you you talked about, Cliff, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I'll go even far, even as far enough to say, Cliff, that if we if you do want it and we do put it for sale, all money from it will go to the Alowitz Foundation. Mm. Yes, because uh, as Tim alluded to and what happened over the, the weekend was uh, I had made the comment that after watching what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers did to the Calgary Stampeders and how they've played all year, essentially, Winnipeg, I, I don't see any possible way that the Alouettes can win either of these games against the Blue Bombers. Just based on what we've seen from both teams, I'll be honest, folks, my faith is shaken right now. Like, I look at looking at both of these clubs... I just don't see how the Alouettes can win this game. And Mr. Stern was none too pleased at my suggestion of that. And also of the referring of the DMCC. So I said, okay, you know what, Mr. Stern, you're right. You know, let's, let's have some fun with this. Like he, I can tell he's very passionate. He's very vocal. And you know, like if I didn't care about this football team, I wouldn't say anything. I would just let them wallow in mediocrity yeah. and not, not say a bloody word. Like, you know, it's just like, okay, whatever. This is the team they are. No, no, I care. I know Mr. Stern cares too. And I even said, you know what? Unlike Milt Stiegel, who ran his mouth and got served a little bit of humble pie, I'll put, my money where, I'll put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. And I'll, I said it on Twitter and I'll say it again right now. If the Montreal Alouettes managed to win just one of these two games versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers – I will make a charitable donation to the Montreal Alouettes Foundation in Gary Stern's name. And you know what? I'll even go so far. Yeah, I will even retire the DMCC. But right now, it's staying because, let's be honest, I mean, this this is what we're seeing right now from this team. Everything that's in place right now, it really does come across as such. So as far as I'm concerned, the Alouettes have a lot of work to do to sort of change that public notion in the people's eyes. I mean... I mean, the moves that were made this year really, truly do reflect what that would be like, what a country club atmosphere would be like, whereas certain members have priority and everybody else, not so much. Mm. So at the end of the day, we just want winning football. We want this team to really get back on track. We want to believe like Gary Stern believes in this team. We really do. 
But I agree. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, it, it really comes down to you can talk about it all day long. You got to show us. You got to win. As simple as that. And this is not going to be an easy team to beat, the Winnipeg Blue Marmers. They are just so good. They are so talented. They've got so much going on. And every time you people want to count them out, they just find ways to win. That's okay. the thing. The Blue Bombers find ways to win, and the Alouettes have been finding ways to lose. That's right. That's a huge difference between those two teams. Yeah. And we'll talk about that. Well, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but we at least have to get through the... As I said, we we gotta get take a little bit of Pepto and uh, get through the uh, through the through this game here in the stats. So the Alouettes lose twenty four seventeen. Did outscore the uh, Tiger Cats eleven nothing in the fourth, which is the Hamilton's worst. It, it really is one of their worst um, quarters this season so far. Um, but two things really stop the Alouettes from potentially tying or going ahead. Um, but you know, from week to week, and we talked about this before, where you have the, you've had the good Vernon Adams and you had the bad Vernon Adams. I, I guess we can we actually can say the same thing for Trevor Harris because this is the guy who was the player of the week, um, the, the week prior, and this week it, he just seemed he just seemed mediocre. I mean, yes, sir, still sixty one percent. I understand that you know, twenty five of, of forty of forty one. Uh, 288 yards, one touchdown, no picks. That's good. That's good. But still, you know, they weren't as uh, successful in the red zone like they were in the past couple weeks. Uh, their first quarters, again, Cliff, were are just absolutely dreadful. And this is a team that had the wind in the first quarter. And all they could do is come away with three points. Yep. And we're seeing the team fall back to their old tricks. I mean, once again, Trevor Harris is holding on to the ball way too long. He's getting no support from the O-line. No. I think no it was red like five zone, sacks this week, I think. No red zone production or very little red zone p- production. And once again, settling for David Cote field goals. I, I mean, yes, we're, we're back to seeing the Trevor Harris that's good at padding his individual stats. But at the end of the day, the stat that really matters, wins and losses. He's got another one. He's got another L. On his uh, on his resume. Yep, five sacks. Uh, the Alouettes again. I mean, not last week numbers, but they were twelve of twenty-five on second down. That's that's good. I'm happy about that. But they were only one of three this week for red zone uh, results. Mm. Uh, I mean, yes, okay. Tiger Cats only had two of them themselves, but you know, it was a, a sloppy game. But still, it's you know penalties again. They weren't that, but have been as bad. But still, there were there were penalties. Uh, seven for eighty-nine. It's better than what you're, you know, weeks past. It's fine, but still, and two giveaways. And as you said, it's not the Hamilton. It's not like the Hamilton Tiger Cats were playing lights out football. I mean, Dave, both David Evans and Matthew Schultz were in the game, and they had spurts of excellence. But I mean, more often than not, they were just like middling at best when it came to quarterback production. Yeah, and really, it, what a waste, Cliff, of an amazing game by Eugene Lewis. What an utter waste. I mean, a dude, eight receptions on 15, just by the way, that's not balls in itself, 15 targets for 154 yards, an average of 19.3. Well, obviously well and above being the guy who led the team this, this past week. And it's, in, yeah. it's all for naught. All for naught because essentially the first three quarters were just a dog's breakfast. Like it, like the, the Alouettes, I, I think we're trying to recapture that cardiac kids feeling of 2019, 
which is all well and good if you can pull it off. But why wait till the fourth quarter to realize, oh, shit, we got to win a football game here. You know, we've been sitting around chasing our own tail for the better part of three quarters. And now you realize, oh, maybe now you have a chance to win a game because Hamilton has a very hard time closing out games. Like, did you just realize this now? Have you not seen any film? Like, this is like this. This is so maddening more than anything else is just you, you you dick around for like part of three quarters, <laughs> you know, like, again, just playing absolutely garbage football. And it's not again, it's not like Hamilton was doing any better. Like this game was close. As, you know, it was a closely contested affair. But I mean, for all the wrong reasons, like this was not something you can hang your head on and say, hey, we hung tough with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. <laughs> I mean, at the time, the one in five Hamilton Tiger Cats. Exactly. I mean, there's a reason they were one in five. I mean, they too have had moments of being able to, you know, come close, but then just, you know, like, you know, like, like Charlie Brown trying to kick the field goal and Lucy pulls the ball away. That's pretty much what the CFL has done to the Hamilton Tiger Cats this year. They just keep pulling the ball away at the right moment. And I thought it was going to happen again with Montreal. If they could just get their act together. Yeah. I mean, the fourth quarter team that we saw played outstanding football. Yep, yep. The second half, as you said, 11 points versus zero. But my God, I mean, it, it like th- this was a winnable football. There is so many winnable football games this year for the Alouettes. And they come away with this, 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 this nonsense. Yep. It, Another loss dropped the third place. Tiger cats. Now not tiger cats. Now currently have the tiebreaker. So does Toronto currently. So well, Toronto, yeah, Toronto's alone in first place, essentially. Yep. Um, Hamilton and Montreal. I mean, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, thank God they don't. Yeah, Hamilton would be hosting the Eastern semifinal versus somebody from the West. I, from the West. I, I think Saskatchewan, but don't don't quote me on that. And quite frankly, I don't care because at the end of the day, it's still not, you know, it, it's still another Western team crossing over because the East is just an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, what are your thoughts on Trevor Harris leading the team in rushing? Because some I don't understand. We have Jeffrey Antwi is a good running back. Um, I just don't understand. I, yes, I understand that we were behind. We weren't behind by that much where you don't have, where you had to stop. You know, I'd have to go back and check check the days when AC played and what it was percentage wise between passes versus rushing. Because you know, Antwi's just not getting anything. I find they're not using him to, him to his advantage. But mind you. As, we, as you said earlier, the O line is, is isn't helping much at all. Really not. And this is the thing: like you've had, there's, there's been some games where he's been able to break one out, and that obviously you're not going to get a 50, 60, 70 yard rush from your running back unless the O line is creating massive holes for him to run in through. And we're just not seeing a whole lot of that. And I, I wish there was a better explanation as to why, because as far as I'm concerned, the O line they have now. All the pieces are in place. We've got Sean Jameson back at center. Uh, we've got, you know, Landon Rice, Christian Matt, guys, Philip Gagnon. We, we've got guys that we know can play this game. Nick Callender has been doing an excellent job, as far as I'm concerned, at right tackle. And, you know, like, so what is it? Like, what's going on? Like, what's, what is it? Why are we so afraid to hand the ball off to Jeshua Antwi or Walter Fletcher or whomever is in the backfield? Yeah. And when you do, it's for very little production, and I, I, I'm baffled, quite frankly. I mean, we've got terrific – fine, we don't have William Stanbeck playing for us right now, but you've got a very talented young Canadian that can turn on the Jets 
if given the opportunity, but it just feels like nothing doing it. Or it's, is it so obvious when we try to do a run play that every defense in the CFL is able to capitalize on it and just stuff Antwi or Fletcher or whomever is running the rock? And the, the idea, the mere idea that the, both of these teams, with Trevor Harris gets more rushing yards. Matthew Schultz and Dane Evans are like one and two for the Tiger Cats when it comes to rushing yards. And this is a team this, that did not have a r- rusher with uh, with 100 yards on the season going into last week's game. I, I mean, this is mind-boggling. Like, you know, the only what, po- what are we doing here? I know the only positive, honestly, really wasn't a, a, a by a rusher was Christophe Normand on that fake uh, on that fake uh, punt in the third qu- in, the, in the third quarter. You know what? You need that. You need that little bit of razzle dazzle. I've said it numerous times. Like if you can catch a team napping on things like that. It's great. And that was the spark that the Alouettes needed at that point because I think it was another two and out and just like I uh, know. No, they went into the third fourth quarter and they ended up getting a field goal. Okay. So I mean yeah. I mean just the idea. Like just try you gotta try something. At that point you you pull out all your tricks and you gotta find something that works. And hats off to Norman because he had wheels on that route. He 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 made it work and kudos to him. Like that like okay, like if you were about to settle into like a, a nap because this this game was just it was putting me to sleep. Quite frankly, that first half of football was just dreadful. Yeah, but plays like that—that's what get, get people excited. That's what's going to make people sit up and take notice. And you know, hats off to Christoph Norman because I mean he he made it happen and just kept kept moving the chains. Yep. So kudos to him. Yep. So we so it, it, I think it's uh, fair to say by both of us we need to start giving our guys if we're in a game we need to give our our running backs the rock. And and be able to because I, I never I never would have thought I'd see the day where I would say that Trevor Harris led the team in rushing. Um, also, that's a pre- that's a pretty telling statement. Yeah, and not in a good way. Yeah, Antwi, by the way, did have five receptions on five targets for forty nine yards. Uh, Richie White Jr. had forty three yards and four receptions. Herjie uh, Mayala had uh, two receptions for ten yards. Jake Winnegie had three receptions for sixteen yards. Uh, Walter Fletcher, Chandler Worthy before he left with an ankle injury, and Tyson Philpot also each had a had a reception each at five, three, and eight yards respectively. Um, now let's talk about Tyson Philpot uh, returning kicks when uh, Chandler Worthy got hurt. Yeah. Who, by the way, was redeeming himself after his lackluster affair in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chandler Worthy started looking like the real Chandler Worthy again. Yes. He was he was looking worthy, which is great. That's yeah. what we want to see. Unfortunately, dinged up uh, to injury. Uh, but Tyson Philpot, when this team needed a spark again, he was there. He nearly took it to the house. I know, I know. And you know, if he had just a little bit better blocking, he was able to close his lane a little bit more. He 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 could have gone and made a, his own house call, but still put the Alouettes in position to to make something happen and just. Again, it was that that sense of urgency that was there. And this team seems to play better when their back's up against a wall and the pressure is on. And I don't understand why it has to be like that. Like To me, it reminds me of like when you're in high school and you, you slack off on that school project that you have to that is due tomorrow. And you end up scrambling and pulling an all-nighter and just you know get it in by the skin of your teeth kind of project. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really what this game felt like to me. Like... You know, they, they, they coasted through the first three quarters and then they realized that their assignment was due at the end of the game and like, oh, crap. And then they they almost pulled it off. They did. They did not play. Fo- 
you cannot play football that way, though. No, and, and they this, this is not a recipe for success by any stretch of the imagination, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, one 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 of the drives in the fourth quarter, which was not considered. I don't think I don't think it was considered in the red zone. Uh, you know, the Alouettes lost the ball on downs, uh, and then the quote unquote controversial, in quotes, controversial play at the for the last second to last and last plays of the game with the Owls driving. Um, where Trevor Harris was, uh, he was knocked for a loop, and they the spotter pulled him for concussion protocol or for safety protocol, and uh, Dominic Davis came in cold and threw the pick. And I'll say it right now, as I said it on social media, I understand that he's our second string quarterback, but does not Danny Mac remember what uh, what uh, Davis Alexander did in preseason? Anybody? Of all quarterbacks, I would have chosen him for that one play. You know, you're not wrong. And on the surface, it would seem absolutely bonkers to put in your, at that point, third string quarterback to try and win you a football game. But, I mean, everything that led up to it was just such a, an interesting tale of events. I mean, the hit that Trevor Harris took, and he stayed down, too. Like, he That's said he was thing. fine. Yeah. But the, you're not doing yourself any favors when you're trying to sell this 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 hit. Like, I mean... Because again, it's it's perfectly normal that the uh, safety spotter was was going to take you out, and you know, like you're you're pissed off about that, and I get it because you know you've got that competitive fire. And as I said, Trevor Harris finally woke up and realized that he had a football game to win. So I can understand, like you know, the frustration he must have felt not being able to finish a said game. But you kind of brought it on yourself when you're lying on the you know trying to sell this injury. You know, like I don't know what to what end that that was going to accomplish for him. But I mean, he kind of got what he wanted. Like he wanted to make sure that there was a penalty and sure enough there was, which put the Alouettes in a great position to potentially score that uh, game tying touchdown. Yeah. But lying on the ground like that, I mean, yeah, one would think, Oh my God, he took a shot to the head. Obviously he's hurt. Like he shouldn't be out there. And if you leave it up to the players, they're always fine. They're always okay to go that, you know, all that nonsense. So yes, for his own safety, he had to be taken out. I have no issue with that yep, whatsoever. Me neither. Me neither. And I, I know like a lot of fans were pissed because they felt like Harris deserved the opportunity to finish this game. Like you're you're not wrong in that sense, but at the same time, these safety spotters are there for a reason. You know, like it was a hellacious hit that he took, uh, and I believe he's still feeling some of the effects of it, if I'm not mistaken. Like he, he's gonna be getting practice on Saturday on Sunday. There you go. So I mean, like it wasn't a headshot, by the way. It was like just you know, very high up on his back where he took the took the hit. But at the same time, yeah, when you're lying on the ground like that, I'm sure a lot of people were, the first thing they thought was, oh, he got his bell rung. So yeah, of course they're going to take you out of the game for that. Yeah. That's, that's perfectly normal. But man, Dominique Davis, that pass was just absolutely atrocious. Yeah, and suppose it, supposedly if anybody watches the tape, Gina was, I think was, I think I heard was wide open in the end zone. Is that true? Yep, uh, he was. He he absolutely was, and uh, just watching. I've I've rewatched it a couple times that throw, and if you didn't know any better, you'd swear he was throwing it right to the Hamilton defender. <laughs> <laughs> it was just Make, I think, like like it was just so off kilter. Was like, it makes you, was like, that you think that was his first read and only read? You would think that Gina would have been his first read because I'd have to go back and check and see if he, if he you know, you, you can tell when a, when a quarterback is looking at different at different guys. Like I know he's he's been strictly used as a short yardage quarterback. And I can't help but wonder, maybe you should have just kept the ball and scrambled up. <laughs> Do like a QB draw and try to get around the field. Something. 
anything at that point because if you're gonna make throws like that like my god like that was shades of the game in ottawa where you you threw vernon adams in there you know ice cold practically yeah and he too unfortunately you know caught a bad break and ended up losing the possession of the ball turning it over yeah but you know like so in that sense you really can't blame davis because he was kind of thrown especially too at that point of the game like to be thrown in and be expected to win the game it's a lot of pressure. I get that. And I think but, the Owls didn't have a timeout because they'd been burned, right? For on challenges. Yeah. Cause no, again, no, no, no. Their last one they had burned to stop the clock. Sorry. Right. But also, to the Alouettes did manage to lose another challenge. I, I, I don't think Dan Matosha is very good at this whole challenge thing. He's, I, I don't think he's won one in his career, and it's just, yeah, it, like it's just wasted opportunity, quite frankly. But no, like yes, he did call a timeout earlier to kind of stop the clock at one point but, which makes sense yeah. which makes sense i mean I, I get that but again it just the, they need to they need to score they need to score something in the third in the first quarter especially when you have the wind they got to get off the snide unfortunately they got some they got a tough two weeks coming up which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes and also we're going to be uh by the way uh previewing also because we are going to be speaking with the voice that's right cliff the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yes, Derek, indeed. Derek Taylor. Yes. Uh, it's interesting. Last time we had him on the show, he was the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> but now he's the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I so we're, we're very excited to talk with Derek and uh, get his insights on how Winnipeg has just been an absolutely phenomenal football team this year. I mean, back-to-back Grey Cup championships and... I hate to say it, but uh, well on their way to a third. If they keep playing, if they keep playing the way that they've been playing the past eight games, I mean, you can pretty much guarantee that uh, the West will be represented by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah, and playing at Mosaic Stadium in Saskatchewan, of all places, that they'd be in their locker room. That'd be insane. I, I, I mean, but for, we're not going to get ahead fans, of it's got, Yeah, like. Rider fans have got to be gnashing their teeth. They got to be upset. Like I mean, you want, you want to have the riders in the Grey Cup at home, but the way things are going right now, I mean, I, I just don't see who's going to knock Winnipeg off. And as I stated before, based on the play of the Alouettes and the Bombers as of late, I just don't see any possible way that the Alouettes come away with one win versus the Blue Bombers. I see really don't. Happens. See what happens. I got a couple, a couple of stats. I'll. I'll bring the table here by the way we, we come on we talk about good and bad from the defense because we have to at least give them a, a little bit of time here before we get to the interview with uh, derek i will say mike jones my god whatever they're paying this guy is not enough yeah, i know man <laughs> this guy is arguably one of the best secondary players in the canadian football league just absolutely phenomenal corner uh, not afraid to get physical a turnover machine. I mean, this guy yeah. just—he just makes plays happen. Yeah, and not that, a that's... single defensive tackle this week, or not a, def- a tackle at all. But yet, a huge forced fumble. Massive. I mean, and sure enough, Marc Antoine Decoy right there on the spot too. <laughs> no kidding, to, eh? I, to, yeah, I, I got—I got to say though, like that was amazing. That was an absolutely incredible heads-up play by Mike Jones, which is a perfect counterbalance to uh, Rodney Randall. Uh, tying him, tying up. Uh, I, I forget which Hamilton receiver it was. I want to say uh, Tim White, but I don't think that's right. Uh, in any event, 
P.I. in the end zone, which basically gives Hamilton the ball right at the one-yard line. Yeah. And it was so close. Like, there was hand-fighting between the two guys. But, I mean, there was one that, that one little tug by Randall. Just egregious in the end zone, no less. So, I mean, the refs are going to call that every single time. And Well, it was I, right after we, we re-challenged something, wasn't it? Or something was challenged, and then it was an obvious thing that, uh, they, that, 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 that Hamilton was going to challenge it? Well, Hamilton was definitely going to challenge it because, I mean— Again, it was it was pretty clear that there was interference, and as I said, you can make the argument for both initially. Like the initial contact from both was, I'd say, fifty fifty. But towards the end, like Randall just had himself a, a good helping of collar in his hands, and like, yeah, you 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 just can't do that. Yeah. You, you, the refs are going to call it every time, especially too, if you give them the advantage of video replay, where you can see clear as day. Oh yeah, okay, he's got a good little handful of. Uh, this guy's collar, so yeah. yeah. To, but you know what? On the plus side, Cliff, that was the only DPI of the game. Well, at least for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, too, I mean, like, there's been some some decent play for the most part from this defense. But once again, we're we're seeing far too much men, men, men play like too much men and not enough zone. It's like you're you're giving. They were giving Hamilton so many opportunities, like so many. They were giving up so many big plays, like giving up big yardage. Like I, I, I just don't get. Like I, I'm not seeing enough pressure, quite frankly. Yeah, but we got. Like, you know what? We got some pluses back coming up. We'll talk about it in the preview after we see good deck. But we got some. We got some guys coming off the six game. We got some guys coming off the six game, which I'm sure can yep. help the defense very, very well. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, to, I think we're going to go in and talk about the upcoming uh, start of the home-and-home home series of the back-to-back series versus the two-time uh, Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers with the voice of the Blue Bombers, Derek Taylor. And joining us this evening to talk about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is none other than the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from CJOB. We are proud to welcome back to the Alouettes flight deck, Mr. Derek Taylor. Derek, thank you again for joining us on the Flight Deck. Well, thanks for having me. I always love talking football, so I'm, I'm glad to get the chance. All right. A little bit different, because the last time we spoke with you, you were the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and now you've gone gone east, so to speak, and uh, you're now part of the Blue Bombers organization. Well, at least they're the radio part of their organization. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how has it been uh, taking over for a legend from uh, Bob Irving? Like, uh, I I mean, after so many years of his voice on the air, now it's your voice uh, calling the action for the Blue Bombers. Yeah, Bob did his first uh, Blue Bomber game in the year I was born. So, yeah, it's been a while since someone else did Bomber games. Honestly, it's been great. And and the biggest part is how how great it was about the whole thing, right? He he decided that, you know, his time was, was done. And, and, you know, when it was announced that I was coming over, Bob was the first one to congratulate me and you know i've called him a couple times to kind of pick his brain on stuff he's he joined us on the pregame show a few weeks back and and uh bob just kind of let it hang out right he, he used to have to be you know slightly more reserved bob but he, he kind of let it all hang out he really kind of gave us his opinion on hey the bombers can't run the ball we're three weeks in and why aren't they running the ball real well what's going on here this team's built on running the football where's andrew harris at it was fantastic but that's that's kind of the big one right of Hey, if if Bob is is good with it, then then people will come around to it, and then I think people have have just kind of perceived that I I love the Canadian Football League, and I'm so excited to be calling these games. That even though it sounds different from when Bob did it, you know we have different 
cadences. We have different styles. We have, uh, my hype level is, is way, way up there. Even though it sounds different, people get, still get the same passion for the game and for the Bombers. So I, I think they appreciate that. And what a team to take over, too. I mean, back-to-back Grey Cup champions, and now they're sitting at 8-0. and I mean, how crazy has this season been for Bombers fans, really, when you think about it? Well, it, it has been crazy because when they were 4-0, and it was coming off the, the win against Toronto, which was in part because Boris Beattie missed the convert that would have tied the game with virtually no time left. People had texted our call-in show to say, Hey, is this the worst four and O team ever? And that was uh, that may not be far from from what it was, right? Because beat beat Ottawa by a score, beat Ottawa again by a score. Didn't look great beating a bad Hamilton team by thirteen points, and then barely escaped with their lives in a game in Toronto. And you go, yeah, you know what? And they're also not running the ball, and this is inconsistent, and that's happening. And you know, yeah, I can see how you might think this is the worst four and O team. Didn't, haven't gotten a lot of they're the worst seven and team or the worst eight and team of all time, but uh, you know, somewhat there's got to be some team out there that is in fact the worst eight and team all time. But uh, the the big wins the Bombers have put up against division rivals, I think, probably keep them out of that uh, out of that area. You know what? I can tell you who the worst eight and team of all time is. That would be the oh, 2000- I love it. 2001 Montreal Alouettes. I knew you were going there, Cliff. I knew you were going there. <laughs> how, how could I not? How, how do you go 9-0 and to start the season and finish 9-9? Nine and nine? It is astounding. And change head coaches. Oh, wait a minute. That seems so familiar. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would qualify. That would qualify the bad team, for sure. <laughs> so, so there you go. So I, I, I think... Bomber fans, if you're worried about this being the worst eight and no team in CFL history, you, you're going to learn today that you've got a ways to go. <laughs> yeah, you really do. Yeah, yeah. Hey, by the way, so Derek. Yeah, it, it, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was going. I was going to ask you because with, with the switch out, we know how rabid fans are over in Rider Nation, and obviously you're switching over to a very big. Uh, you know, you're switching over to a team that is a huge rival to the Riders. What was what kind of reception did you get from Rider fans knowing that you switched from the voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to now the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? There was there was a little bit. Uh, there were a couple people I had to block on Twitter, right, and on social media because it just got a little too far. Uh, but for the most part, it's honestly been been pretty complimentary. Of hey, we appreciated the work you did here. Uh, I hate the Bombers, but uh, but I'll listen because I like your style. I always appreciated those comments because. Uh, that was nice. There, there are folks who, who go, you're a traitor. Well, I, I called rider games, but I didn't work for the riders. And you kind of have to understand what my job is as the play-by-play guy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the conduit, but I'm not of this. So maybe take it down just a little bit was kind of my, my approach to it. But for, for the most part, it, it was relatively positive because, I mean, ultimately, like, I'm, I'm still a big fan of the Canadian Football League. And if, if you know, if the good things are happening for the riders, I'm going to end up talking about them. And if, if uh, you know, it, we're, we're just going to cover the Canadian Football League, right, and, and try to do it. It's I, it's biased but fair is kind of the way I describe it. I'm not going to go full home or regardless of what team I'm calling games for. We're going to give you the, the, a fair cover coverage of what happens. Go, oh, yeah, that's, that's a penalty on Nick Taylor. Nick, Nick can't be doing that, right? Not everything is the whole world is out to get us. So, yeah. I think people appreciate, I think there's a certain group of fans that appreciate 
fair coverage that's in their team's favor. So, you know, it didn't it didn't irk too many people too hard, but there was definitely some. What made you um, actually make the decision to go ahead and switch over to and join the well, join the win? Uh, I guess the CJOH family to, to call the games. Yeah. So yeah, CJOB. Oh, sorry, CJOB. I'm thinking Ottawa. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. No, it's. I mean, it's a company I'd worked for before. Like my my boss was my. We we, we anchored together back in the day when I was at Global Television in Winnipeg. Uh, my boss's boss, my old boss. So I knew, and so many of the people on the air at CGLB, I've worked with before, or I know of, and, and I think they're tremendous broadcasters. So that was that was an easy part of that. And then Winnipeg is is the longest, the place I've lived in the longest as an adult, right? In my working life, I've been in Winnipeg for 14 years before this, so it's longer than all, you know most of my other, well, all of my other stops, but you know many of them combined. So. Uh, my wife's from there, so it was it was kind of like coming home without it being the city I was born and grew up in. It, it was just a nice feeling going back and do. Hey, I called uh, I called games for the Bisons for nine years, so it's it's kind of like a homecoming. That was probably the big appeal to me. Okay. All right, let's switch gears here, Derek. Uh, let's talk about these Winnipeg Blue Bombers at eight and zero. Just an absolutely fantastic football team, despite what some people may seem to say. Uh, what's been the biggest <laughs> surprise to you this year with this current edition of the Blue Bombers? Who has really stood out to you and said, oh, my gosh, this guy is really or guys have really done it for us this year? Oh, the big one by far is Dalton Show and their first year receiver out of Kansas State. Like, here, here's a guy who will turn 26 during the season, hadn't played pro football. He'd been in some NFL camps, but hadn't played pro football. And we saw him in rookie camp, and he went, okay, well, 83 looks pretty good. That's, but it's rookie camp, so who knows? Oh, the strike's here. Okay, well, let's see what happens when camp starts. And then in training camp, he just steadily progressed. And Greg Ellingson went out with uh, with an injury, so Schoen moved into his spot with the first team. And Ellingson came back the last day of training camp to take his spot back, and then Schoen moved over to take a spot that Janarian Grant was kind of being groomed for. And he went, oh, okay, so this is absolutely for real. That that he's impressed a Mike O'Shea coaching staff, which really loves veterans and guys with experience, or at least seems to, and loves guys that know where they're supposed to be. For a rookie to be able to do that, just that part was was very impressive. And then, oh, by the way, uh, he's now got six touchdowns and almost 600 yards receiving, and he's burning dudes left and right, and he's showing off skills like – Speed, wiggle, his, his ability to use the waggle to get open, and then tough hands. He had, he had a catch on Trey Roberson this past week where Roberson wanted that ball, and Sean was, you know, his little comeback, and Sean was grabbed it and held onto it for dear life, like, you're not getting this ball out of my hands. And he went, okay, he's, he's shown us kind of every skill. And to see it from, you know, from a, a young guy, from a rookie, is super impressive. Like, it, it, there's a continuum. For me, with you know, for young receivers in the Canadian Football League, in my time tracking it, you know, kind of goes from from zero to Brandon Zilstra, and Shone is steadily progressing up that up that continuum. Like he's not Zilstra put up what seventeen hundred yards almost that one year, his second and last year in the Canadian Football League. Shone's not that not there, but he he does a lot of things that are that are very impressive. So it, it's Dalton Shone as far as individuals go. It's Dalton Shone. Uh, maybe even league-wide, much less just within the Bombers. Hmm. 
Have to agree, especially too with uh, Greg Edelson going down to injury, and you're, you know, that was one of the star acquisitions for Winnipeg in the offseason. For this kid to come up and play the way he has is uh, uh, without missing a beat, as far as uh, the Winnipeg receiving core goes. Yeah, and, and it was something they needed, right? When I looked at receiving cores going into the season, I thought Winnipeg was probably the seventh best in the Canadian Football League, right? Because you know they had they have good receivers, and I, th- I think the world of Greg Ellingson. Greg's a, a you know a, a tier one, tier one A receiver, however you want to put it. But the other ones all came with question marks, and how are you going to replace Kenny Lawler, and how are you going to replace Darvin Adams, who is for his entire career been this consistent deep threat. Uh, what are you going to do in those spots? And and Dalton provided some answers. I, I don't think we we kind of expected. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been fantastic. The other part of the Bomber season that's really caught me off guard is for the last couple of years watching from afar, they haven't really had to deal with the flood of injuries that other teams have. Right? I was covering the the Riders last year, and they had 16, 17 guys on the six game injured list, including multiple starters and frankly all stars as well. Meanwhile, the Bombers go, well, we lost Kyrie Wilson for a bit. We lost Jackson Jeffcoat for a bit. But other than that, we kind of, we had, you know, Stanley Bryant for all the games we wanted. We had Zach Kalaris for all the games we wanted. They hadn't really had to deal with the same level of injury problems. But this year, oh, man, out of season, in season, in training camp, like uh, there's six or, uh, I'm trying to think, six guys, you know, have been on the six-game injury list that you, you want starting. Some of them are out for the year. And you go, wow, this is really impressive that they're down to their third safety now and they still beat the Calgary Stampeders. They're, they're on their second center and they're still 8-0. And they've managed to they keep losing receivers to injury and they keep bringing guys in and, and, and filling holes uh, and able to be 8-0 with you know, not, a, not a real easy schedule, honestly. Mm-hmm. Without uh, missing a beat, it also seems like is the running game as uh... – Previously stated by uh, Bob Irving, uh, he couldn't help but notice there's no Andrew Harris. But uh, Brady Oliveira, I still think, is a very capable running back in this league. Do you think he's accepted the fact that he's more or less the man now for uh, instead of Harris? Oh, I think so. Every practice, every training camp practice, Brady Oliveira has been the number one back. And it was it was rough going for the first six games because and and, and people people just made the direct comparison. Well, Andrew Harris never would have been this way. This is a real drop-off from Andrew Harris. And, and I don't know if, if everybody necessarily acknowledged the, the difference that was happening around the running back position. Like Brady, for, for a point, it's, it's gone up a little bit the last couple of games and wins over Edmonton and Calgary. But there was a point where Brady was getting one yard before contact. Like he would get one yard downfield, bam, boom. He was, he'd, be hit, he'd be hit behind the line of scrimmage on more than 30% of his carries, when last year that number for the Bombers was 13%. So you're getting hit in the backfield two and a half times as often as the previous season. You go, well, maybe some of that is a guy being hesitant to hit the hole, but let's not pretend that that can account for the whole thing. Like There were problems in the running game that got, as always, they get thrust onto the running back, right? But the last couple of games, things have sharpened up, and he was he laid a bomb on Ed Ganey two weeks ago that he pointed to as you know what that's an indicative of this game being a turning point for me. And then he dropped a bomb on Brad Muhammad, the Stampeders defensive back last week, and you go, This guy's running differently these last two games. And it's not just 
you know, against the, the weakling of the of the West Division. That's against the second best team in my mind in the Canadian Football League that he's putting a hundred yards on. He he has really been super impressive these last couple of games, you know, papering over some injuries for for other players. It, it's been it's been great to watch him work the last couple of weeks. And maybe folks will stop referencing, hey, uh, remember when we had Andrew Harris? Because that uh, Ring of Honor level career is is tough to sometimes get out of the shadow of. Yeah, that, and uh, you know, talk about you know, we're looking at, at this coming up matchup this week. Um, it, it's very interesting to say because obviously both these two teams are going to he- go head to head in a back to back for the I think the sixth time since really back to backs have become a thing in the CFL. How tough is it, do you think, for these two teams I mean, and any team across the league this year to go back-to-back? Back? I mean, I think it's done like a crazy amount of times across the league this year. Yeah, I, I like the thought of it, and I, and I think they do too because, I mean, you don't really – you've seen a team. You don't really have to go back and, and bone up on their film for next Thursday's game, right? You already know, okay, well, we studied them in depth in advance of this Thursday's game, so now we can focus on some other stuff, be that getting healthier or be that establishing this or – or scheming some stuff up, you don't really have to. You get a lot, a bunch of your time back as far as coaching staffs go, and, and players don't have to, you know, learn. Okay, well, we just looked at this team. Now we're looking at this team. No, you get the same team two weeks in a row. So you just go, okay, well, this is this is what they do. This is what they do on second and medium. So this is what we're going to do on second and medium, and uh, you know, play it like that. So I, I, I kind of like it. I mean, it, uh, it's not. I mean, that Montreal Saskatchewan home and home was was really interesting from the outside. Yeah. I don't know how great the games were, but uh, it was really interesting from the outside seeing how much that turned between game one and game two. And, and that's potentially what we have here is, uh, you know, visiting team in Montreal on short rest, and then they go back home and on regular rest and see what happens in game number two. That's what I wanted to ask you about, about short rest. Do you think, it, I, you hear people talk about this already, you know, Winnipeg is coming into Montreal on short rest. From what you've seen, you know, being in the booth and watching, uh, you know, whether it be the Riders or any alt, any teams, you know, uh, in the league, uh, do you think it's a misnomer that when it comes to that, it, that people are misled by teams coming into uh, uh, any game on short rest can really hurt a team? Oh, I, I think, I think there's absolutely something to it. i I think back to 2019, and I think the week four game for the Riders against the Stampeders, Winnipeg was coming in on short rest, and, and they just got, they looked nothing like themselves. They looked okay in the first three weeks, but then the Calgary team just whacked them all over the field, and you went, oh, okay, this is a team that, that didn't really have the, wasn't able to fully get prepared, including recovery for this one. Uh, but I mean, just look at these Bombers through eight games. They've had some short rest games, some awkward turnarounds, and they manage it really well by, it seems like, by not practicing. Like, they're, they're in the enviable position of having star players and, and veteran players that don't really, you know, need the, you know, four days of practice to walk through in advance of the game. They've, they've done that more than a few times. They're like, all right, we have our one close practice. Uh, we'll walk through it, and we're good. And they've not really faltered. I can't really point to being tired as a reason that they haven't looked very impressive in these wins. Um, what was it? Monday in Toronto and then Saturday in BC. Well, they barely escaped Toronto, but then on short rest, they throttled BC. You went, well, short rest didn't short rest and travel didn't hurt them that week. So what do we do with this? I feel like, and just from talking to coach O'Shea, they, they have a real good plan for how they deal with these situations that they know well in advance are coming. And I mean, Who's to doubt it after after they start the season eight no without it without nearly a perfect schedule? Yeah. Okay, Derek. 
short of Zach Caleros having a heart attack on the field, how are the Montreal Alouettes going to beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, wasn't there a was there a classic high school uh, college football one where some guy in a cart drove over a quarterback uh, <laughs> and, and hurt him and knocked him out of the game? If if that's a thing, uh, if if uh, Gary Stern goes nuts and you know go, you know kidnaps Zach or something. Zach's yeah, Zach to me, Zach's playmaking is absolutely the linchpin for this this team and this offense. Uh, how can Montreal beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Big plays are going to be the thing. So how about how about a big game from Geno Lewis? How about flip the formation, run Geno Lewis, you know, out of the field side and and see what happens when you uh, put the ball in the air? It, it's going to have to be big plays because teams we've seen consistently this season. They get near that 20 yard line. They get near that red zone and the bombers just clamped right down on them. And Edmondson ran a couple plays from the 20 yard line, marched the ball down the field, but got anywhere near that 20 yard line and it was over for them. Like they were just, they had no chance. And Sergio Castillo was nailing field goals, but it just didn't matter. So I feel like big plays, a couple, I mean, the gesture actually has a couple of big runs this season. One of those would be fantastic as far as the Alouettes are concerned, uh, because I just, Trevor Harris's style of low average depth of target uh, and, and, you know, marching the ball that field, it's, it's just going to run the problems as they get toward the red zone. So to me, it's, it's got to be big plays in whatever phase of the game. Zach's got what five interceptions this season, but there's a few more that, that could have been right. There are a couple against Ottawa that could have been, there were, there was at least one early in this past week's game against Calgary that could have been going to have to take advantage of those because, Player for player and unit for unit, I feel like Winnipeg is, is a bunch better right now than Montreal is. So uh, there's there's going to have to be big explosive plays are going to have to be the thing. Because, I mean, frankly, Winnipeg's allowed the most explosive pass plays against this season, 13, 30-plus yard pass plays. So uh, a guy like Gino Lewis, that would seem to be something he could provide. In, in my opinion, it would have to be a Trevor Harris uh, who the Trevor Harris who played for Edmonton in 2019 in the Eastern semi semi versus Montreal, because he, he I think if that Trevor shows up, I think we, we potentially, mm-hmm. we potentially have a, have a chance to, to run with the run with Winnipeg or, you know, Winnipeg could easily blow another 24 point lead. I'll be happy about that too. <laughs> well, Winnipeg, I mean, there are games that Winnipeg has not been impressive in, right? They were very impressive beating BC and beating Calgary twice, but take all the other ones. Hamilton, Toronto, Ottawa, Ottawa, and Edmonton. Winnipeg completed seven passes in that win over Edmonton. That's true. Like they, they've, they've had some down games. So you catch them or you do something to them that puts them in that position as well. And, and there's your opportunity where one-score games are, by their nature, they're lucky. It's, you have to be lucky to win a one-score game. We've seen a ton of examples for the Bombers. So if it's tight, I mean, anything can happen. That's true. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. So, right? <laughs> awesome. Well, Derek, listen, we, we can't thank you enough for joining us to help preview this game. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Twitter at DT on OB. That's where I'm the most active. Eventually, as things get going, uh, DT on DT on CJOB is my handle on Instagram. And then, yeah, uh, get the Blue Bomber podcast where we have our coaches show and, and our game calls uh, wherever you get your finer podcasts. All right. Perfect. Well, Derek, thank you once again for helping us preview this match. Uh, looking forward to a spirited affair, if nothing else. I think that's, at the end of the day, that's all anyone can ever hope for. It's just a good football game. Yeah, the crowd here on Thursday night will definitely deserve a good football game. So hopefully, yeah, they can provide. Different perspective having him on the show this week, but hey, it's always 
good to have a guy who you know he loves the CFL dude, and it's you know Der- Derek's always a good talk. One hundred percent. I mean, he he brings the stats, he brings the knowledge, he brings it all to the table. And Winnipeg, count your count your stars because you got yourself a good one. When it, like someone who can tell a great story. I mean, I know the 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 Bombers were blessed to have Bob Irving, who's a legend in the broadcasting field for so many years, but. I couldn't think of a better person to take over that spot than Derek Taylor. And he's been doing a phenomenal job just bringing the knowledge, bringing everything to Bomber Nation. And I mean, I'm not saying that's the reason why the Bombers are eight. No, but man, it's got to be so much fun to listen to him talking about how Winnipeg's done such a great job this season. So, you know, by all means, shoot him a follow on Twitter. Uh, You know, even if you're not a Bomber fan, just take in a bomber game on the radio and just listen to how he delivers everything, how he brings all that knowledge in one easy, easy format to listen to. Check it out folks. And you know, I I'm, I'm curious to see how he's going to call things tomorrow night against the, uh, the Alouettes. Yeah. Okay. So bombers, Al's open up a back-to-back series. Um, I just get the, uh, the tidbits out of the way and then we'll talk about the, the, the controversy <laughs> this week. Um, the Alouettes in, in, uh, back-to-back games have, this is their sixth time that they've done a back-to-back versus Winnipeg. Uh, and they have won four, excuse me, they have tied four series and won one. Uh, they've won the, they've tied the last four. So anything is possible. Uh, unless you remember that because this is the whiteout game for the Alouettes is is something that is brought back for the first time in a couple of years. And yet the Alouettes have yet to win a whiteout game. Cliff, they are 0-7 lifetime, including 0-3 versus who? Winnipeg? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Oh my goodness. Like (laughs) I think it'll stop because I think I, I think I mentioned it to Joey Alfieri. I think it was Joey or, or might've been, um... I don't remember who who it was. It was somebody else on the Alouettes organization, and I mentioned that. And it's like guys, like guys, you got to stop bringing back these whiteout games versus Winnipeg. Yeah, and really, truly, how many fans, like how many casual fans, are going to even care if it's a whiteout game? Like, unless again, if you're going to provide white T-shirts or paraphernalia for the fans to help create that whiteout atmosphere that you're so desperately trying to create, they technically are. But I'll let you finish your thought. I, but again, this is my point. Like you. The, the team has been on, the, you know, promoting this as much as possible. You know, saying this is the whiteout game. Please wear white to the game. Blah blah blah. I mean, I'm sorry. It just, uh, I don't think fans are seriously that interested or engaged in it. And as you said, Tim, the team has yet to win a, a, a whiteout game. And if you think it's going to start this Thursday versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who, as we just said, they are 0 and 4 in whiteout games versus the Bombers. 0 and 3. Own oh, three, sorry. Yeah. So they, they could go own four. And again, I, I have not seen anything that would suggest that that would change, that they could end up being 0 and four versus the Bombers in whiteout games. I, I'm i sorry. I, I just don't see the appeal. I just don't see the fun of it. I just like, okay, fine. The team's wearing white. Okay. Everybody else should be wearing white. And most people would be like, yeah, up yours. You know, I don't care. Just play <laughs> football. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think. Something else that that just just came to mind as 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 you were talking about the the games itself about these back to back games and stuff like that. Um, the, this I'm saying this is right here. Okay, no, I'm, I was wrong. Never mind. 
<laughs> I was wrong what I was going to say. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, at least the team is going to be doing it. I think they said it was a 35% off on white jerseys. It's something. I, I give I give Corey and the guys over at the boutique props for doing something. Okay. Congratulations. I mean. <laughs> so. Um, like I, I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. I don't want to be like the beat reporter for the Alouettes and just doom and gloom this whole thing. But no, and it, and it's and it's tough. It's really tough because you know this. You know the they come in at seven and zero. Excuse me, eight and zero. Eight and zero. And yes, the plus for the Alouettes is is that they are coming off of uh, the the Bombers are coming off a short week. But look what happened versus Edmonton. Um, mm-hmm. But and let's not forget. They went. To, the Bombers went to BC a few weeks ago on a short week, and everybody was expecting Nathan Rourke and the Bombers to just eat them alive at home. And what happened? Winnipeg came away with the win, a convincing win, no less. Yeah. So, I mean, this whole narrative of short week and all that, you know, that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, the game still has to be played. And again, I take a look at the weapons that Winnipeg has versus what Montreal has done over the past couple of weeks. And... I just fail to see how it's going to be any different. I I hope you know what I'm wondering if we should make a sign uh, for this game that says uh, that says remember 2018 <laughs> <laughs> or uh, 24 point 24 is just a number. <laughs> <laughs> see that's the thing, folks. Is that yes, technically the Alouettes have a two game winning streak versus Winnipeg at home, but not even close to the same team. I mean, let's not forget that 2019 team that made that incredible comeback, the miracle on Mont Royal. That's not the same team that's going to be playing tomorrow. No. And last year, yes, the Alouettes did beat the Bombers at home. But once again, a lot of the stars, a lot of the starting players were left at home. It was basically a preseason game for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They had pretty much the entire division sewn up at that point. I mean, I think they had it sewn up by Labor Day, but that's neither here nor there. It was there was no no possible positives for Winnipeg to gain from playing everybody in this game. So they basically sent the practice squad to play the Alouettes, and the Alouettes came came away with the W. I think that was Trevor Harris's first win as an Alouette. Yeah, yeah, it, it, that's correct. And if I'm not mistaken, only win of 2021 as a Montreal Alouette. You are correct, sir. You are correct in what you in what you say. You you know lie. So, I mean, like I said, folks, it's, I mean, yeah, 2-0 and sounds really awesome versus Winnipeg Blue Bombers at home, but put things into context. And once again, we take in all the variables that are happening tomorrow, whiteout game, 8-0 team, this, that, the other, like, to me, like, this is a very, very, very big ask. And I want to be like Gary Stern, I want to be positive, I want to believe a miracle can happen, but I, I... I just don't see it. I just don't see it at all. And I, I would love nothing more to be proven wrong. Like I said, I will gladly put my money where my mouth is. If the Alouettes somehow find a way to win this game tomorrow or win next week against Winnipeg in Winnipeg, then, yeah, I will gladly make that donation. No problem. But, yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I, I've drawn the line in the sand. I, I pretty much thrown down the gauntlet, whatever cliche you want to use at this point. But at this point now... The Alouettes have to go out and prove me wrong. They got uh, they got to make me eat my words. Sim- simply put, they 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 got to do it, and I hope for their sake they can. I really do. I I really want Gary Stern to go on Twitter and 
be excited and happy that the Alouettes somehow shocked the world and did what so many teams have tried to do so far and just haven't been able to do, and that is hand the Winnipeg Blue Bombers their first loss of 2022. By the way, what is actually mind-blowing to me and I, I don't, I, I guess, I guess this is a, a plus for the Owls, and maybe they're looking at all, all facets of the game. Winnipeg's only favored by five and a half. That blows my mind. I know. Over under a forty-seven. This is according to Five Dimes as we speak. Only five and a half points. I, I'm, yeah. So I mean, I mean, Winnipeg has been in some very tough games, and in, interestingly enough, their toughest games have really truly been against Eastern opponents. I mean, they they've played a home and home versus the Ottawa Red Blacks, yeah. and truthfully, we're lucky to get away with the win there. Wins there. Uh, they almost lost to Toronto in Toronto. Sh- yep, should have. Absolutely. Sh- well, I mean, at least they should have had the the, the game should have gone into overtime. At least the time. Yeah, sorry, sorry, you were correct. Yes. Yeah, I mean. If Boris Beattie makes that uh, convert, which normally he makes in his sleep, it'd be a different story. But Winnipeg escaped Toronto with a win there. Uh, I mean, in Hamilton and uh, and uh, in Winnipeg, the past two Grey Cup matches. But once again, Hamilton, again, this is more about also Hamilton just not being able to close games either. But Winnipeg, I believe, handled them quite easily. So, I mean, for the most part, the East can give these guys fits. But... I mean, this is what Montreal has to do. Like, they, I mean, if, if there's a positive, if there's something that can give you just a sliver of hope that Montreal can come away with this is the fact that for whatever reason, teams, the Eastern teams know how to play Winnipeg tough. And that could happen tomorrow as well. We could actually see this defense step up and find a way to contain Zach Caleros and that incredible receiving core that they have. They could find a way to bottle up Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine from running the rock. I, I mean... To me, though, I, I look at this Winnipeg defense, and I, I just see them having an absolute field day with Trevor Harris, especially if he's just going to keep holding on to the ball way too long and make no use of his running game. Yeah. And uh, unless, as Derek uh, had talked about earlier, unless Trevor can find ways to get Geno Lewis and make big plays happen, because Winnipeg is very susceptible to that, that's pretty much how Montreal's going to have to play this game. If they ha- want to even have a hope of coming out with a W. Yeah. And and by the way, one thing I haven't mentioned either, which is I just, I'm just reading now from Herb Sarkowski. He did remind me too. Saskatchewan came on a short week and we won by 24. So it is possible. But again, like two different teams though. I know, two, but still, again, I, like, I, like everybody is saying, you gotta, you still gotta play. And that leads us into the other thing too. If there's this whole hullabaloo because, you know, Alouette's owner, Gary Stern is such a, passionate owner and fan of not only the CFL, but obviously of his Montreal Wets. He doesn't predict win like got, that got traction last time. He just said that, that the Owls will win versus Winnipeg. He didn't say that. It wasn't a guarantee. And yet, Blue Bomber fans seem to get so butthurt over this for some reason. And I think, and, and I kind of agree with something that Herzogowski said on social media. You know, they're talking about this, about this, you know, our our owner makes a, says that we're going to win, and it's news for some reason? Because it really, it really shouldn't be. I mean, if you don't want, if your owner's not saying that you want, he wants to win every week, then you have a problem. No, without question. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, Gary Stern is very much a fan. He's a fan of football. He's a fan of the Alouettes. Of course, he's going to say he expects his team to win. And, and Bomber fans, 
seriously, is this what happens when you win back-to-back Grey Cup championships? I do not remember the Alouettes nor the Argos walking around with this, I, I, I'm calling it big dick energy. Like, like to them, they didn't realize that they were, you know, absolute garbage for the better part of uh, nearly two decades. All of a sudden, you win two Grey Cups, and now you're, you're king shit? Like, check yourself just a little bit. Dial it down. Like, I, I get it. I get being excited. I get being passionate. And again, when you're 8-0, yeah, you're the man. There's no question about it. Like, you, you, you're definitely doing something right. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, you're going to gloat a little bit. But my God, some of the attitude out of these, some of these fans, not all, because I know there's a lot of really great Bomber fans, and they definitely deserve all the accolades. They definitely deserve to enjoy this moment because it will eventually come to an end. Sooner or later, the team will lose a game. Sooner or later, the team will not go to the Grey Cup and win it or even be in the Grey Cup. And I'm not going to say they're going to fall back into mediocrity, but I mean, again, I, I think that this team is really well put together and will be competitive for years to come. However, the good times don't last forever. Let's let's just put it that way. I mean, back-to-back Grey Cup championships is a very difficult feat. For sure. Three-peating, three-peating though, is even more difficult. So, I mean, if you can pull yeah. it off, you know, more power to you, but... Until you do that, maybe just check, just you know, act like you've been there before. I think that's really what it comes down to is act like you've been there before. And you have been there before, Winnipeg fans. You have been there before. I know. They're, 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 you, you've, you've been through some lean times. The Alouettes are currently going through a lot of – they've been through those lean times too. You know, they, 2019 was like that you know, flash of brilliance that we keep talking about. And yeah. now we're kind of back – into that sort of mediocrity that, you know, is not fun. But if it means we got to slug through this in order to become that top tier team again, then it'll all be worth it. But as it stands right now, like bomber, most bomber fans, they got to check themselves just a little bit. Just like, a touch. you know, like, yeah, you know, it's not really junk. news either. It's not really news. I don't understand why I understand. Again, in these days of social media, things gain traction. This really shouldn't have gained traction. It, yeah. I, I don't get it either. And, you know, it, it, it's, I don't know, it, it's not like there's no no shortage of news as far as the CFL goes. I mean, there, there's so much happening. There's so many things to talk about, so many good things to talk about. The fact that the Alouettes owner thinks his team's going to win, the, that that could be considered a news item is kind of a sad state of affairs when you think about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, hey, I got some late breaking news. Tell me. The sun is going to rise tomorrow morning. Oh, my Lord. Now, let's just wait for... Uh, a, a certain website to pick up on that and make a story out of that. <laughs> uh, the pluses with this game is that we are getting back veteran linebacker, Chris Aki. He's going to be returning on defense after missing uh, the previous five games with an ankle injury. Um, an interesting change though, too, is going to be having Tavian Feaster. He's going to make his season debut. I think he's going to be backing up. Um, and we, yeah. And we at running back. Uh, yeah, Walter Fletcher is on the one-game list. Yeah, yeah, Walter Fletcher, uh, ankle injury. Uh, but th- what's interesting with that is now we have a different – I thought they would have put uh, uh, Philpot. I honestly thought that they would have put Philpot in, but it's not going to be Philpot, is it, who's going to be doing the returning? No, it's going to be training camp darling Warren Newman Yep, that will be returning uh, kicks and punts for the Alouettes. Uh, the Al said he's 5'5". Five, five. Do you really think he's 5'5"? Five, five? Uh, if you put him on a milk crate, maybe. <laughs> I mean, super nice guy and fast as hell. I mean, this guy has wheels for days, but there is no way. Like, being 5'5", five, five, that's generous. Yeah. All right. I mean, 
he he's a tiny dude. I mean, fast as hell, and I, I'm really excited to see what he can do on the big stage with the lights on. But uh, yeah, he's not five five. He's yeah. just a little smaller than that. Yeah. He's fun sized. Yeah. Um, I think those are all the main the major roster changes this week. Uh, well, one major roster change would be uh, the Alouettes signing Pierre Olivier Lestage. That They're, too, yes. Their first, well, no, sorry, their second round draft pick because they did not have a first round draft pick last year in 2021. He technically is the second round draft pick, their, but their first pick that they were able to make. In any event, uh, he was selected by the Alouettes in 2021, 10th uh, overall, uh, ended up signing with the Seattle Seahawks of the NFL, uh, was released there. And I honestly thought he was going to try to exhaust all of his NFL opportunities, but uh, nothing came of it. As we know, NFL training camps are underway right now, and he was not able to find a home. So now he's finally back with the Alouettes. Uh, a little surprising because we had a feeling when he was drafted that we probably wouldn't see him much before 2023 or even 2024, just because he was so highly regarded by the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it didn't work out there. So now he's back home. So he'll he'll be dressed for the game to, uh, against the Blue Bombers. He won't be starting, but he's definitely dressed. And I don't know at what point they're going to put him in there, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. And it'll be a hum- homecoming of sorts for the uh, for the Quebecois, uh, another former Caribbean. You know, so he'll fit right into the DMCC. But in all in all honesty, though, I will say he is a very excellent football player. He did a, a very fantastic job for the Caribbean at his time. So I'm really excited to see what he can do for the Alouettes. As far as other moves go, I mean, like having Aki back is huge as far as I'm concerned because he's just one of those guys that can really make an impact on this defense. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's still uh, Tyrese Beverett. I, I have to apologize. I called him Beverage last week, but it's Beverett. I swear they were mispronouncing his name on TV too, by the way. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, like, yeah, he had, he had 11, he had 11 tackles last week. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I heard Beverage as well. So, I mean, we're just a couple of idiot podcasters. What's your excuse, TSN people? Yeah. Um, one of the big things too, though, uh, you know, it's, it, it's an, it's a change to the, uh, uh, to the roster is that Vernon Adams actually officially has, he was on the one game last week. He's now been placed on the six game injured list because of tendonitis in his throwing arm. Yep. Dude can't and, catch, the dude cannot catch a break. Well, and I guess when you use those words, you're kind of glad he can't catch a break as in like, uh, don't break, don't break an ankle, don't yeah, break yeah. a leg, but no, he's, he's been snake bitten this year for sure. The I whole mean, team has, again, start off in week one, started off in week one. Yep. So, and, and what's frustrating too, considering too, you remember, remember the last couple of years, I think the, I think it was two years ago where the Alouettes were, had a continuous streak that they were doing out throughout the year. You remember, I remember you and I talking about this, where it'd be like one win, two losses, or, or, or it was like two wins, two losses, that, that, that type of thing. I think that was towards the end of the 2019, uh, yeah, 2019 season. Yeah. The Owls, are, the, the Owls are doing it again this year. One win, two losses, one win, two losses, uh, one win. It's it, come on. Yeah. Stop. Like, Consistency is important, but not that kind of consistency. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I and, agree. And it really does come down to, like, like we, we saw potent, the potential of what could be versus Saskatchewan and Ottawa. Like, the two wins that the Alouettes had were, I won't say convincing, but they were able to put up points. They were able to play cohesive football. Mm-hmm. And it makes it even more maddening because you see them go and play these other games where they're in the game 
and a couple of things just bouncing here and there, and those losses would easily have become wins. The missed field goal versus Toronto. You know, uh, blowing a 19-point lead versus Edmonton. Yes. Uh, I'll even go so far as to say, <laughs> playing only one quarter of halfway decent football last week versus Hamilton. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, these were all winnable games. Yeah. I, I mean, really, truly, the only the, there's only been one or two games where it's like, okay, this was not their day. Like, they're once again... They're they're shooting themselves in the foot and just making errors that shouldn't be made. No, and and it really we keep, we keep saying it has to stop, and I, they know it has to stop. Yeah, it's and, just a matter of when will it stop. And hopefully this, if the Alouettes when the Alouettes win this week versus Winnipeg, it, it hopefully will be the start of something not good for the rest of the season. The in my opinion, the Alouettes need to split this two game series. They need to split this two-game series. Actually, they need to win this two-game series. I know they do. I know they do. But I'm trying to be – yes, it is true. But I'm saying at, at the very least, they need to split. Well, and again, as I said, folks, I, I don't see it happening. I want it to happen. I just don't see it happening. I, and I sincerely hope it does because, one, the Alouettes Foundation will get richer at my, at my behest. But the idea – like to be able to say that you beat – the Winnipeg Blue Bombers would be such a tremendous feather in the cap. Considering, look at the teams that they've lost, or that have lost, lost to the Bombers. Yeah, some teams, and a couple of not so good teams, but a lot of people were really expecting the Bombers to fall, and they just don't. Like as I said, they find ways to win football games. Montreal now needs to find ways to win football games, and if you can find a way to win a football game versus the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who currently sit at eight and zero. If you can find a way to give them their first L, I mean, that is that would be tremendous. Yeah. Like, talk about a confidence boost. Talk about being able to do something that nobody else in the league has been able to do thus far and beat the mighty Blue Bombers. Yeah. We want that to would be, be incredible. Like that. We want to be on the other side of that where the Alouettes gave the first two career wins to guys who had never had a snap in the CFL. We want to be the team that, knock, that gives the Bombers their first loss of the year. Or two. Or two. I mean... My goodness! Can you imagine instead of going ten and zero, the Bombers end up eight and two, all because they played Montreal in a back to back. I mean, it sounds incredulous. It really does. But I mean, if Montreal can just find a way to make that happen, and realistically, just come away with one. We we fully expect Winnipeg to dominate at home. That's what they do. They they're just so dom- they're dominant everywhere. But they they're really dominant at home as well. Right. So going going into Winnipeg and trying to win that game. It would be an incredibly tall order. True. But you know what? It's on a week-by-week basis. You know how sometimes they say, Cliff, let's not look ahead? Let's not look ahead. But let fans think that this could potentially be a trap game in Montreal because of all the things going against them. The Owls have all these things going against them, too. Well, and But you know maybe, what? Let's just no. let's say, let's start this off right by saying sayonara to the last Thursday home game of the year for the Alouettes. <laughs> that, that is true. That is very true. So, and also too, maybe, just maybe, maybe the Winnipeg Blue Bombers kind of do what Calgary seems to do every time they come to Montreal. Maybe while we're recording this podcast, they're out enjoying the nightlife. Yes, sir. which, as we know, the can Owls. be very tempting to a lot of teams That's and right. a lot of a lot of impressionable uh, football players. Uh, seeing what Montreal has to offer as a as a destination, you know, sort of like the adult Disneyland, if you will. So maybe, <laughs> maybe. That's what they're doing right now while we're recording this podcast. Is they're right now. 
enjoying the nightlife, That's shall right. we say. Yep. And if they are, and they come into the game Thursday uh, a little hungover, a little groggy, a little disheveled. We'll see what happens. Maybe Montreal does take advantage of that. Yep, and maybe we can make it uh, make it hell for Zach Caleros tomorrow night. We'll see. We'll see. S- Something's hey. got to. There's no question. Something's got to give. And I, I, I keep. I, I think I've been saying this now for the past four or five weeks. But Trevor Harris has to play the game of his life. Yep. As I mentioned, in, in the, a, yep. As I mentioned in the conversation with Derek, we need the Trevor Harris from the twenty from the twenty nineteen semifinal game. We we got a little bit of him versus Ottawa. We did, but we need consistency. Uh, that's just it. Like, he can't just show up. Uh, you know, when it suits his purposes or what he feels like it. Like it's got to be. Every week, exactly. If that Trevor Hurt shows up every week, then yeah, the Montreal Alouettes definitely do have a chance. If not, then then it doesn't look good. Then it's yep. then we're we're back to another failed uh, you know event at the Danny Matocha Country Club. But we'll see what Patent happens. Pending. We'll see what happens. So we hope everybody enjoys the game. The game will be on on almost all TSN stations. It'll be on TSN 690. It'll be on in French, uh, RDS, and uh, in on French radio. Um, all I can say is that if you're at home, get your popcorn ready. If you're going to be in stadium, get your poutine and popcorn ready in a helmet if you can get a hold of one. Uh, but we expect to be back here next week to talk about the game no matter what happens. So for everybody here at the Alouette's Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.